We all live our life here with some expectation of a direction that we're going. We're given the freedom to choose to live in this world and to enjoy the pleasures that it has to offer. But the Hebrew writer would say that they are for a season. Or we have the opportunity to do as we sang in the song, to press on towards higher ground. Some live their lives with no expectation or thought about the destination of this physical life. And we live in a world that has always had its appeal to the human being. The pleasures of this world are abundant, bountiful, plenteous, and all around us. And the constant charge is always to be able to see beyond this world. As you read the book of Hebrews, it's a sad commentary, if you will, that this book would be written so early in the first century, and that it would have the references that it does to God's people losing their perspective on eternity and choosing rather to get caught up in the things of this world. Back in the third chapter of Hebrews, in verse 12 and following, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. That again, that statement would be made towards Christians. That they would get caught up in this world, the joys of this world, that they would depart from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. The writer would go on to say later on that there is a pleasure in sin, but it's only for a season. And then there's a price to pay. We live in a world that is constantly bombarding us with the pleasures of sin. They call it the pleasures of this world. The things that they, you are encouraged to believe that you need to have. You need to have the newest edition of the newest car. You need to have whatever is the newest game. Children need to have the newest toy out that has its problems. Whatever it is, we need the newest, the best, the more improved one that we can get so caught up that we forget where it is that we ought to be. The writer had just finished chapter 11 often called the Hall of Faith, talking about the faithful children of God down through the years. 
And again, I've said before that I always enjoy reading verse 1 through 35 because every one of those has a positive note that goes along with it. So when you get to the latter part of verse 35 to the end of the chapter, that you find a difference being brought out. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. It's a choice that we make. If you're being persecuted, you can choose to deny God and have your physical life spared. But there are many who chose not that resurrection, if you will, but a better resurrection, eternity with God in heaven. If you spare the physical life, it's only going to extend it for a period of time, and then death indeed will come. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted, were slain with a sword, wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise that will be revealed later on. That does not sound promising. Does not sound like God is with you. Does not sound like God is protecting you. Does not sound like God is blessing you when you're being sown in two, stoned, driven out into the wilderness. But these believe there was a better resurrection to be obtained. Therefore, going into chapter 12, we also, since we have, are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, He's talking about those in chapter 11. He's talking about all of those in chapter 11. Not that they're watching you, but every one of them have left you a witness, have left you a testimony of what faith in God will bring in your life. That gives you a peace that the Bible will talk about that surpasses all understanding. A peace that guards your heart and that guards your mind and keeps you in the right perspective. You have an opportunity to look at chapter 11 and to realize, no, we haven't yet reached some of those points. We need to have that faith, that trust in God. Lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you're in a race, you practice. Oftentimes you practice with weights on your feet if you're going to run so that you can build up your muscles. But when you get to the race, you take off everything that would hinder you from that race. We're in a race for our life. We're in a race for our eternal soul. And there's a need for us to lay aside everything that would beset us. 
to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles us or ensnares us. That basically is simply unbelief. Simply not believing God in His Word. Not believing that God cares, watches over us, makes provisions for us. Said before, I know it's an impossibility, but I would not want to live in a world in which God was not there. The world in which we live seems bad enough. But to live in a world where God was not. Man bent on his own destruction. Even in the world that God has provided for him. All we have to do is look at the physical world. All we have to do is look at the spirit or the physical body. And then look at the spiritual body. And you see the hand of God caring for us in ways that we may not know. Those who wandered about in the desert, those who were sown in two, those who were killed, believed that there was something beyond this physical life. And most in the world do not even want to look beyond this physical life. They want to say that this is all that there is. But a casual reading of the book of Ecclesiastes would help you come to a different conclusion. Vanity of vanity, all is vanity. You read through that and again, have you not touched by what you read? If this life is all that there is, Solomon said, it's a foolish life you live. Some of you work extremely hard for what you have. And then Solomon says, and then you die and you leave it to another. And who knows whether he's going to be wise or foolish. We've talked about it before. Many of you have gone to estate sales. And with some, they've gone to estate sales where farm equipment is up for sale. And I have yet to hear one bidding on farm equipment ever ask the question, what did that farmer have to sacrifice to get that tractor? How long did he have to work? What commitment did he make to get that tractor? They don't care. All they're looking for is pennies on the dollar. How cheap can I buy it? That's your life. I'm aware of that. I've got books in my library that I got at yard sales. Inscribed in a lot of those books are comments made by the one who gave the book as a gift. Sometimes on the uh, occasion of a birthday or something, sometimes it's a long statement made 
expressing love for the person that they're giving the book to. I don't know what they went through to, get, to buy that book, nor what sacrifice they made. All I know is I got it for 10 cents. Gives me a lot of hope, too. But no, that's what's going to happen to what I have. But I'm saying, this life is all that there is. Vanity of vanity is all in vain. So the writer says, you need to fix your eyes on Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. You need to get your eyes where they need to be focused. Who for the joy set before him. For the joy of sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, he was willing to go through the agony of this earth. And there's no way to adequately describe that agony that he went through. Well, we read about it in the Gospels. We read about it in other accounts that we have in the letters that Paul wrote and the other writers as well. But we really do not fully comprehend the agony that Jesus went through in order that you may have the hope of a better life. Again, if you, cannot, if you can read Matthew 26, if you can look at John 13, and if they not bring tears to your eyes when you realize what the creator of the universe went through, you've already hardened the heart. For the joy set before him, he despised the shame and endured the cross because he loves you. Because he desires you to have a better place than whatever this world can offer. But not only what only this world can offer, but that you can have a better place eternally. For there only being two choices for eternity. And that you choose. And it's alarming to me at times as I read James 4, 16, 14 through there. What is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little while and after this comes the judgment. What is your life? It's a vapor. That in this vapor, you, you determine eternity. That's a sobering thought. That's a frightening thought. That in a short, short period of time that I'd live, I'm making a decision of where I will be eternally, heaven or hell. And the choice is mine. God, through the love of Jesus, says, here's an alternative. Satan, on the other hand, says, don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. But it does. That's why the Hebrew writer takes a great deal of time in trying to write to the Christians of his day to admonish them, to encourage them, to challenge them. Do not let the deceitfulness of sin 
destroy your hope and your faith that you have in God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Look at the hostility that he went through. Read Matthew 27 then. Read about the cross. Read about the the taunting. Read about the ridicule. Read about the mocking. The scourge that he went through. From sinners against him who was pure without sin and the Son of God. Lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Oh, it can be a hard fight, it seems like. You can come you can become weary. And you're striving against sin of your desire to live this godly life. Unless unless you realize who's helping you. You do not strive against sin alone. God is there. Jesus is there. The Holy Spirit is there. The Word of God is there. Brothers and sisters in Christ are there. You have help that you haven't even thought about. Do not become discouraged. However long this life is, it's short. Whatever I go through is only temporary. What I hope to gain is eternal. So don't lose hope. Become discouraged in your soul. God is with you. What more do you want? Read the promises that he's given to you. I look at the trouble. I look at the difficulties. I look at the hardship that I'm going through. And I forget the promise of God. Back in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. It's one of many, but this is one that ought to help in the life you live. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. One thing you need to understand, whatever it is that you are facing, regardless of how you feel about it, sometimes we feel, I'm the only one going through this. Nobody understands what I'm going through. Nothing that you face but is common to man. With that next phrase, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. Wow. Is that not encouragement? There is nothing that you face 
that God has not already known and that God has already made a promise. I will not allow you individually to be tempted above what you are able, but I will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. You've got to catch the orders in this. Whatever you face, you can endure. There is a way of escape. Escape usually means going in a different direction than what you're currently going. If you're going to escape it, you usually retreat. So you can't endure it. Sometimes you have to leave. Sometimes you have to flee what is around you physically. But God has already promised you that he will be there. That you may be able to bear it. God has promised you whatever it is you can bear. You can be faithful. But you have to put your trust in him. For them of their day, regardless of how severe it was, he said you hadn't resisted yet to the bloodshed and you're striving against sin. Look at the cross. We're not there. You look at our lives, and for the most part, our lives are relatively free from the pain, the suffering, the anguish, the persecution, the hardships that may come for being a child of God. Understand how richly blessed that we are. God will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. Will we turn our back on him? Will we turn our back on him and lose our trust that he's there with us? Will we do what the invitation song suggests? Jesus, let us come to know you. That's a key. Let us come to know you. Let me know who you are. Let me know the depths of your love. Let me know your patience, your encouragement, your long-suffering. Let me know what you've done through the blood that you shed. And Lord, help me to know what you hold in store for me in heaven one day. As we sing that song, Where is Your Life? spiritually where you're in the eyes of God in the blood of Jesus God in his wisdom has left an opportunity that as long as there's breath in our bodies there's hope but there is a brevity of life so use our time wisely as you consider your life if you need to make a change in it we could assist you we could help you Indeed, we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.